We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. Mike, we miss you on this one. After a weekend of absolutely crazy games that we thought we were going to talk about, the Lakers kicked off the trade season with a deal, trading Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks to the Washington Wizards for Rui Hachimura. D, since Mike banished us from trade talks in the main thread... <laughs> you and I have broken off into a, a, a splinter faction, uh, making trade fictitious trades to our heart's content. And this exact trade popped up. I am so happy for you because you've been a Rui guy for a long time, and you've been wanting a forward that slots between LeBron and Anthony Davis for a long time. And Rui checks those boxes, man. I got to speak for myself. I haven't watched any tape on him yet, right? There's just, this isn't the deepest understanding. This is just a reaction. We just heard about the trade, man. But you were the first thing I thought about, man, because this like is exactly what you've been talking about. Talk to us about how Ruiz Hachimura fits in with the Lakers. Well, it might've been a couple of months ago, right? Where I was just like, hey man, what do you think about Ruiz Hachimura? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. look, man, I've been scouring the NBA for forwards who make anywhere in between $5 million and $20 million for a long time. Like, so has the Lakers for an office <laughs> sure, for a sure. long so time. I do, so I know I'm not alone in this, right? And I've been looking up salary stuff. I've been looking up like how many years guys have left on their contract. I've been looking up all of this stuff. And the first thing I look at is like, can the dude play? And so I don't send you every single name that comes up on this list, right? I'm not like, hey, mm-hmm. what do you think about player X who we right. don't even like, right? Because what's the point? But Hachimura is a guy that I have a bit of an affinity for just based off the fact that he's my sort of player. He's a dude who does a lot of things well. He doesn't necessarily do anything great, mm-hmm. but in the does a lot of things well 
space. I I just love the idea of a guy who doesn't take a lot off of the table. And while he's not bringing so many things to the table, that where you just feel like, oh yeah, like let's let's isolate Rui in the way that you might do it with like another high level scoring forward. He's just a dude who slots very well within the context of a team built around stars. And this yes. is where I'm not exactly sure if he'll be better or the same or even worse than what he was in Washington. But I do feel like his fit on this specific Lakers team is just a really, really good fit to be Pete. And, and it's one of the reasons why of all of the dudes, I was just like, hey, man, like if the Lakers could get this guy for sort of a protected first Mm-hmm. was sort of like in the ballpark for me. And so the idea of reportedly getting him for second round picks and equivalent contract and rebalancing the Lakers roster or helping to start to rebalance the Lakers roster where it's not so guard heavy and having a forward just from a just from a practical standpoint there's all of this stuff there that that I like. And then when you start to dig into the game of what he is as a player, I think while I need to watch a bunch more of his tape and dive into to the numbers a little bit more, that sort of generalist all-purpose forward is the type of player I've just loved since when we were kids, man. Like I used to love to watch mm-hmm. like Detlef Shrimp play. Now Shrimp is oh, like yeah. the higher end version of That's a great, this guy great and yeah. he made some all-star teams and so maybe maybe Rui is like the the Derek McKee version of that. The guy who tantalizes and is good but not great and it's just like oh but you were supposed to be the next guy and Rui is sort of that right? He was number nine pick. He, he's got some pedigree and all of this other stuff but it's just like he he can shoot it he can handle it. He's got good size. He can rebound some. He can pass some. Like, there's just so much there to like. And he's not coming here to be some guy who is going to fulfill the promise of being the 20-point the potential scorer that he was drafted to be as, as like, this two-way wing that's just like, okay, this is the dude. But as, like, a 6'8", 6'9", 235, 240-pound forward, like, I've been pining for that dude for so long. And I'm just mm-hmm. so happy that the Lakers have gotten that guy. Me too, man. Like from watching this team and from having a fondness for kind of the journey that we've been going on and where we found ourselves, my most, my biggest concern going forward in the version of the future where things work out, we get into the playoffs, right? It's, is do we have enough defensive size to really compete in higher level games? And he helps us in that area so much because we've seen the difficulties that TB has, right? And TB is one of those guys where he can be very good, but if you need him to play two shifts in the playoffs, you're putting yourself in a really dangerous spot on the defensive end. And just Wenyon, I don't think is is enough, right? And so not saying that Rui is some like lockdown forward or anything like that, but he's solid defensively and he provides a degree of strength. And then offensively, there's that, again, that generalist, he's comfortable with the ball in his hands. He can be a pick and roll guy, both 
off of the dribble, but also as the role guy. He's a comfortable like pull up jump shooter. You sent me a great stat about how he's shooting 41% on his catch and shoot threes, which we haven't had anybody who does that. Again, not a shooter, but like you said, he's a guy that does a bunch of things well, although not many things great. And so just to get that with a rebalancing of the roster, just in general, we've, we've really needed that. And then I love that Woj is reporting that we're interested in extending him, right? That was another thing you've talked about in a lot of our trade conversations is to not just make a trade for this year, but trade for a guy who's going to be on your team for a couple of years. And I just love the, like, there's so many aspects of this deal that I, I really, really like that I think just balances things and takes a shot on a guy that I think will fit in, in the overall structure and build of the team, which as we're seeing is more and more of an attacking group. Like we're at our best when we attack attack and where we can help kind of join that group with as a type of player that we don't have otherwise no he brings size he's a forward man like it's so forget all of the stuff we will get into not only in this pod but in future pods as we have the opportunity to to watch more tape on him and and really examine his game and then when he does join the team that we get actual like game reps of him with this actual group but just the idea of having a 6'8 guy who has a baseline level of athleticism and can play with some force and can join this group where you're no longer going to be so reliant on three guard lineups. It's just super important. There's just a practical application of being able to slot your lineups a certain way now that is going to have, I think, and this is just my opinion and I need to see it in action, but I think it's going to have a cascading effect on the effectiveness of lineups offensively and particularly defensively and on the backboards, right? Like there is just a certain number of times where I've seen because of the Lakers' rotating defense and scrambling and switching that it's been Dennis Schroeder trying to box out a 6'9 guy or Patrick Beverly trying to box Mm -hmm. out a 6'9 guy. And that's because you're or Kendrick Nunn trying to box out a 6'7 or 6'8 guy. And it's like they're only doing that because they've ended up switched on to these guys based off the fact that there's usually two or three of them in the game at the same time in some of these bench units. And I don't know if Rui will start or if he'll come off the bench. I think long-term he projects as like a starter to me in a lineup where AD is the center. And then you've got Braun and Rui, and then you've got whatever guards that you're going to play. And I think long-term, that's what it projects to be. But if he begins the season as a bench player, well, guess what? It's like, he gets to come in, and rather than that being Kendrick Nunn, who has been playing lately, or even another one of the small guards, it's a 6'8 dude. And just that right there, Pete, where it's just like, hey, yes. suddenly it's this dude boxing out a 6'8, like a similarly sized player, rather than some other guy going over the top of one of these 6'2 guards. And it's just like, that is, we've seen that story play out so many times, and the scrappiness of the team makes it so that those smaller guys are in there fighting. Mm-hmm. They're in there battling, but they're getting steamrolled by bigger players. And it's just like, no, let's 
how about we get a bigger player who could also yes. try to do some steamrolling himself? And it's just like that, that balancing of things is so important for the long-term prospects of this team for a guy who can play and has doesn't have a lot of playoff experience, but has played in the playoffs and just sort of understands how to play basketball at a fundamental level. It's just like, yes, yes, get me one of those. And the Lakers did. Now I'd love to get another one of those, right? Just because you can never have as much of that. Yeah, I've been... <laughs> It's funny, sometimes the the basketball gods will nudge you in the direction that you need to be nudged. Uh, one of the things that kind of cracked me up, and this has happened a few times over the last couple of years to a, a strange degree, is we lost all of our shooting guards at the same time. Like Bev went out, Austin went out, and Lonnie went out. And it forced us, it literally forced us to play more conventionally sized lineups and play lineups that have two guards instead of four of them, right? And then this trade right here, like I, I texted you, Mike, about how happy I was just from the balancing perspective of like, we traded a smaller scoring guard. And first off, on none, I am so glad that poor guy had the most cursed Lakers tenure, like for most of it. I'm so glad he's had this stretch over the last couple of weeks where he's been super helpful to the team. And I wish him luck in Washington. But none had a rough go of it for most of his Lakers tenure. And in the broader context, we just had too many guards and too many like small guards without physicality. And that's one of the things I really like about Rui is his physical strength. That's something I've been worried about from a team-wide perspective is that that idea of a guy getting steamrolled, like you were saying, is because like Dennis isn't the strongest guy. He's game. He'll compete. Bev, Austin, we've got a few guys like this. It's one of the reasons I've been arguing that Russ's defense is super important because the way he defends, his ability to chest up on somebody and, and stop them is important because our other guys can't do that. Rui adds to that in a way, in the front court, in a way that we've really needed. And but also doesn't detract from like the overall concept of the team, which again, I think is a very attack, attack, attack. He's that big wing that can, he can fill that wing in, in a way that again, we just don't have another forward that does it quite like that. So let's go to break here, Pete, because on the other end, I want to talk a little bit more about Darwin lineups and the potential to see what closing groups and starting groups and all of this other stuff. And it's just speculation time now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. So Pete, one of the things that I feel like the Lakers need to try to get to more and more is who is the closing five? Who is the starting five? And then building out more lineups throughout the course of the game where the team can be competitive. And so there was a crazy stat from the lap from last night's game against the Blazers, where like the starting five had this astronomical offensive rating and this ridiculous defensive rating in what really was like an incredible game. <laughs> and like normally in a normal time, like we would have just been waxing poetic about. Oh, yeah, we had a lot to like, say. <laughs> about the Memphis win and then the Portland uh-huh. win and sort of the mm-hmm. improbable nature of both of those games. But one of the takeaways that I had from watching that game was, well, look at this. This is a Portland team that plays like sort of two smallerish guards and then mm-hmm. not this crazy sized front court, right? And so the Lakers were able to play two smaller ish guards in Dennis and Pat Bev and then mm-hmm. sort of this normal front size or front court normal size front court group with Troy Brown and Braun and TB and because of the jump shooting nature of Portland they didn't really take advantage of TB's defensive struggles and yep. all of this other stuff and it was very similar to the Denver game that the Lakers won when AD went down and so I started to think more and more about lineup stuff and it's like, oh man, like imagine if they just had one more version of Troy Brown, basically, mm. right? Because one of the things mm. I'm trying to do is slot guys appropriately and find the best places to put each player in order to build out functional lineups that can play for longer parts of the game. Because I thought oh, look, this is a functional starting group. And then that same group got to close. It's like, okay, well, now so, obviously, it's still a functional group. But mm-hmm. the Lakers were still finding these stretches during the middle parts of the game, Pete, where it's just like, okay, well, there's Russ and Nunn and Dennis on the court, and Braun is out, and so here's, mm-hmm. like, JTA and Wenyon. And yep. so it's just like, okay, well, that group, actually against most teams is going to struggle against this Blazers team. They struggled some too, but it's just like, it was less so, but like they got steamrolled against Memphis. This has been such a problem. I think back to several times where we're like, yeah, we can't play Damian Jones, right? But it speaks yes. to the lack of options, right? And that whole point you're making about one more guy that can, that's why I think of the LeBron winning units, those like start of the second, start of the fourth quarter type of units where I've watched those groups, which is oftentimes where they have those Dennis and Russ and Nunn type of groups is right around there. And I'm like, if we had one f- more forward that had good size, we'd be fine defensively. And like Rui slots right into that spot. One of the reasons why I wanted 
a swing forward, like basically a guy who could play the three or the four. Now, Rui is probably more four than three, but he came into the league as a combo forward. And so I'll be interested to see how he fits as a potential perimeter defensive player. Right. But in these lineups now, now, knock on wood, we got a good report from Mike about AD and the progress that he made and how he played in, you know, like a scrimmage over the weekend and is on the right track for a return, hopefully sometime soon, maybe in the next week or so. There's no timeline on that. So that's just me speculating. But if he's if he had a contact scrimmage and it's like and on the back end of that, he's not experiencing a bunch of pain and there's no talk about setbacks or anything like that. Well, that's mm-hmm. promising news to me. The thing about a player like Rui and a player who is Rui's size and why I've been wanting that sort of combo forward is that guy can slot next to LeBron and Wenyon in that sort of second group, just like he could slot next to Anthony Davis in an AD-led group and be sort of the stretch forward, just like he could slot next to even potentially a Russ-Wenyon-TB group. But there's a versatility in that, an ability to like, you can play with this type of stuff. I've been thinking this lately too of like, we need to be able to attack as often as possible, but we also need to be able to play slowly. And Rui's got like a little pull-up jump shot. Like he's, it doesn't just have to be that 104 mile an hour fastball type of, type of style. The thing that we should take away from the Lakers team that won the championship was that they were that shape-shifting group and that they did have different looks. One of the things that was super interesting to me about the win over Portland is that when you look at the Lakers starting five, they played at a 98 pace in those minutes where they basically just destroyed the Blazers. And Mm -hmm. Russ didn't close that game. Russ had a particularly Mm -hmm. rough game. Like the Lakers did to Damian Lillard what the Blazers did to Russ, which is they picked him up full court. They had Eubanks around the basket, protecting the rim. Yeah. And they were just sort of just like, hey, like, hey, like, you're going to have to work for every instance on the floor. And Russ doesn't have the tightest handle. And then they put Gary Payton the second on him. And it's just like, he's going to poke away and do all this stuff. But in playing the non-Russ groups, the Lakers actually weren't hunting as many transition opportunities, but they really took advantage of a a weak Portland half-court defense and where Rui plays into to stuff like that Pete is like that ability to sort of give the Lakers another look right a slow down more power offensive group in the half court that isn't as reliant on Russell Westbrook to generate yes. power in the half yes, court that, right yes and and so you can't if you're going to put a strong wing on LeBron James, and then you need maybe a strong big man to potentially defend Anthony Davis. And then you need sort of quicker, smallish guards or whatever, or a certain type of athlete to defend Dennis Schroeder, right? And then I'm imagining lineups with like Dennis and Austin, and then Rui, LeBron, and AD, And it's just like, oh, look at this, like sort of a connective shooting guard size player in Austin and then a connective sort of power wing sort of player in Rui and then speed and athleticism and force 
with the like a combination of those factors within the Venn diagram between Dennis and LeBron and and AD. And suddenly you're like, oh, well, that's a totally different group than a Russ Wenyan TB based group. Yes, it is. And then you have these lineups that have potentially like Lonnie Walker and Troy Brown. And it's just like mm-hmm. the ability to slot guys back into places where Troy Brown can play next to Rui. And Troy Brown doesn't have to guard up and defend forwards. Instead, he could defend shooting guards, potentially. And it's just like there's all of this opportunity to sort of reshape lineups within the context of how you've been successful without losing your identity. And that's where I'm interested to see what Darwin does. But I'm also excited to see what he does because he hasn't had too many. He hasn't had a lot of opportunity to build out lineups in this very specific way because of the way that the roster has been constructed. Right. That's it right there. And I think that you mentioned that idea of Russ not having to be the provider of strength and and force. But I also think that there are going to be opportunities to make the other team run out of athletes. And you were speaking to this idea where, you know, that with Rui's ability to hit, catch and shoot threes just competently. He's not a shooter. I don't want to present him as as a sniper, but his ability to do that on games where Russ is helpful. And I thought like the Memphis game. Like the Portland game is the one that's fresh in our mind, but the Memphis game was a game where he had 29 points. He was our leading scorer and he had zero rebounds, I think, with like two minutes left in the third quarter and ended up with five. This happened a couple of times. I I don't think we always have a good appreciation for the fact that we're asking a guy who's, you know, 33 years old, 34 years old to be a motor guy every night. And that that's a big ask on, we talk so much about, oh, LeBron, how much can LeBron handle on his body and whatnot? And rightfully so. But Russ is a guy in his mid thirties now who we ask to go, 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 go every single night. And he's going to have some nights where he can only turn it up for a little bit. And I thought that Memphis game though, he was huge down the stretch. We gave up how many offensive rebounds, 24 offensive rebounds in that game. But I don't think we, we gave up very few in the fourth quarter. And a big part of that was Russ's ability to join the party on the on the defensive boards there. And Rui helps in that respect as well. And so if we can rebound, we can run. And that like we can have we can have lineups with too many athletes on the floor for like imagine that lineup with Russ and Lonnie and Rui and LeBron and AD. Just just go. You attack every single play. You could throw Dennis into this mix, too, because he does yeah, it Dennis in a smaller Lonnie quicker, as like another speed guard and as a defensive another player and role player. And right. Exactly. But that's the point, though, is that you've got all these combinations where if you think about that just from an athletic standpoint, the other team's going to run out of guys. Other teams have too many players who their basic job is to play good defense and hit a standstill three, but they aren't great athletes. They aren't great ball handlers, which I think this style really plays into is like, if you're not really strong with the ball, we can, if we have, if if we're on defensively, we can really exploit that. And so I don't know, man, I'm really excited about where this is going. How do you think, and I know that we'll dive into this more after we've seen tape on him and really get get into to his game but just as a player who has has the ability to play in isolation some he can play out of the post a little bit against smaller players particularly i think he's got a nice little pull-up jumper he can hit the Mm -hmm. spot of three how do you see him fitting into darvin's offensive system that's a really good question he 
seems like a bit of a tweener um, in that the system because of the way the floor is spaced with the four spots, the corners distance wise are far away from the slots, right? And that's that's the point. You want space and driving angles. But in terms of personnel, you usually have drivers and shooters, of which Rui is neither, but isn't not either of those things. And you also have rollmen or popmen, of which he's not that, but he's also not not that as well. Yes. And so maybe that's the answer to your question is that it's where do you need him to be? And that sort of generalist, like, okay, this lineup needs Rui to be this type of guy. And that lineup needs him to be that type of guy. I think that there's, it's exciting, right? On if you're a glass half full type of approach, there's also going to be times where we need him to hit a jumper or we need him to, we need him to be one or the other. But that's the point though, is that like, we're going to have LeBron and AD as, I think, staples in the closing lineup. Dennis, I think, will be in a lot of them. But I don't think we have – I think we have a lot of options for those other three spots where, like, if Rui isn't the right guy for the job in that game, I think there's a good chance that someone else will be. Yeah, I'm very in- interested to see how his sort of jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none game fits into a system where there's a lot of opportunity to be a lot of different things. but on any Mm -hmm. given possession, you really need to be good at the thing that you're trying to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I also want to see how he, how he operates as a screener in screen and roll opportunities. Mm -hmm. Like the Lakers are a super heavy and if not necessarily sophisticated, um, they have a lot of nuance in their pick and roll game. Like one of the things they did against Portland was like they played a bunch of different inverted screen actions with LeBron handling the ball. And they did a lot of picking and popping with smaller players. Troy Brown Mm -hmm. would come and pick and pop or he would pick and then go into the short role. Right. I'll be interested to see if Rui can be a screener and be a pick and pop option as Mm -hmm. a screen man in pick and rolls with Dennis or with Russ and what that looks like. I also want to see, can he play in the short role some? Like a guy who has his profile as sort of um, a guy who has decent feel and can pass some, but isn't a great passer, can shoot some, but isn't a great shooter. A lot of times the grayness of that guy's skill set can be overwhelmed in a possession where you really need to be able to do this one thing. And if you can't do Mm -hmm. it, then, okay, well then what are you actually good at? Right. And I'm interested Mm -hmm. to see if he can play outside of the limits of his own skill set at times based off of the opportunities that are afforded to him playing with such good players who create such good, um, spacing opportunities for role player teammates right and Mm -hmm. that's not to say anything negative against um bradley beal or john wall who was there before in Rui's early seasons or or even russ and i'll be interested to dive into some lineup data to see how Rui played in lineups built around russell westbrook because their former teammates as well, which is another interesting part of the Lakers making another deal with the Washington Wizards, Pete. It's like not the first time, right? Nope. In fact, it's like the third it's or fourth time. Friends. Good to have friends it's, around the league, huh? Right? So <laughs> this is just one of those trades, though, where it's like I've been looking for this specific thing for a very long time, and mm-hmm. I don't want to get too 
I don't want to be so enthusiastic that like I overlook obviously like the flaws of an individual player or whatever, but I am excited about the prospects of what this can do within the context of the Lakers bigger roster needs and the shape of their current team and how this player helps just helps by sliding into a very natural void that was not there on this roster yep. before this trade. We had we got a helpful two-way forward without giving up a first round pick. And that's and somebody that we're apparently interested in having around for more than just the last part of this season. That's a, a big win. So I think we'll wrap up here. This won't all be sun, sunshine and roses just because we traded for Rui Hachimura, right? But I think we're very much down with the idea of this. I think conceptually, it's something we exactly the type of player we've been pining for a solid two way wing that has strength and he fits into the yeah, just really, uh, really excited about this trade. It's a, it's a good one. I am curious if we're done. I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about what now because I do think that we should make one more move. Um, and but we'll hold on to that for now. We have a crazy weekend of games to talk about and a Clippers game tomorrow night to preview. Man, a lot of things coming together right now. Uh, exciting times. We'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully, Mike will be here too. Uh, get his thoughts on Rui. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.